Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, November 20th. A church has opened its doors to asylum seekers. We take you there later in the show. But first, let's do the headlines. Point Loma community members are sending a letter to the city of Santiago, opposing a plan to turn a property near Liberty Station into a homeless shelter. The site, known as H. Barracks, would temporarily house 300 to 700 people experiencing homelessness. Fred Cosmo is the chair of the Peninsula Community Planning Board. I think there was a lot of concern about the safety of the children in Liberty Station. There's lots of children there. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria addressed the concerns in the Community Planning Board's letter and said that the facility would have 24-7 security on site, extensive lighting, privacy fencing, and no walk-ups would be accepted or outside visitors allowed. The San Diego Padres have a new chairman and interim control person after the team's former chairman, Peter Seidler, died last week. Minority owner Eric Kusenda has taken on the interim role. Kutsenda is a co-founder and managing partner of Seidler's private equity firm and is a member of the firm's executive and investment committees. He says he plans to continue Seidler's vision of keeping the Padres as a family asset for generations, staying dedicated to the fans and community of San Diego, and continuing the goal of winning a World Series championship for the city. The county's unemployment rate slightly increased to 4.2% last month, that's up from September when the revised rate was 4.1%. But last month's unemployment rate in the county is better than the statewide rate. But the unemployment rate is much higher now compared to this time last year when it was only 3.3%. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Growing numbers of asylum seekers are arriving in the county and government resources are not keeping up. Reporter Katie Heisen recently visited a local church that opened its doors. It's rainy and cold, but when the lid is raised off the homemade chicken soup, steam fills the air. About 35 migrants gather at Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Logan Heights for dinner, a place to sleep and breakfast in the morning. Jose Gregorio Castillo Quinones has been here almost since the shelter opened last month. Like many here, he fled the political and economic collapse in Venezuela. Church leadership opened the men-only shelter after a growing number of migrants began sleeping around the Shrine of Mary in their courtyard. It takes about 60 volunteers to run, including Isela Castro. They're just here trying 
to make a better life. And, and that's what my grandparents did um, when they came here. And I think we all see ourselves in them. The church's community room isn't meant to be a shelter. Some shower with a hose in the yard. But their priest said Jesus was very clear, care for migrants. Like many local shelters, it's at capacity. The county's Migrant Welcome Center, which serves more than 500 people daily, is expected to run out of funds next month. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. The county has been seeing an uptick in MPOX cases. Health reporter Matt Hoffman spoke with health officials about the reasons why. County public health officials say for most of 2023, they didn't see many MPOX cases, maybe two or three a week. But since the beginning of October, 29 cases have been reported. We knew that not everyone who needed to be vaccinated has been vaccinated and that we could see a bump in our cases. Dr. Winston Tillman is medical director for the county's HIV STD hepatitis branch. He says cases peaked in August of last year at about 60 per week. MPOX can cause painful skin lesions, bumps, or blisters. It can impact anyone, but Tillman says the majority of cases have affected gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. We're continuing to work with our community partners in the LGBTQIA sector. Officials say there is plenty of vaccine supply. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Veterans and first responders could begin using psychedelics for therapeutic use. East and North County State Assembly member Marie Waldron is working on a bill to make it legal for assisted therapeutic use. Waldron says the new bill wouldn't decriminalize psychedelics, but would create a process for them to be used to treat veterans and first responders for conditions like PTSD. Waldron says she wants to model it after a similar law in Colorado, which includes many safeguards to make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted when it comes to the safety, the efficacy, you know, the use of the psychedelics in treatment. You know, the headline is always magic mushrooms, like want to legalize magic mushrooms. That's not what it's about. It's about saving lives from suicide. Some studies have shown psychedelic drugs have been able to decrease fear and anxiety. It's something the VA has also been looking into. If you or someone you love is struggling with thoughts of suicide, call 988 for support, information, and resources. The Air Force has updated its training curriculum with a new focus on resilience and wellness. It's teaching recruits about stress management, balance, and positive lifestyle habits to better prepare them for the uncertainties of war. Carson Frame reports for the American Homefront Project. You're going to fall in behind this line, understood? When Air Force trainees step off the bus for basic training at Joint Base San Antonio-Lackland, they undergo a rigorous introduction to military life, where they learn about principles like discipline, physical fitness, and teamwork. Everything will be yes sir, no sir, thank you sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, thank you ma'am, yes sergeant, no sergeant, thank you sergeant, from this point forward, understood. Yes sir. All right. It's a stressful transition. Trainees lose access to their cell phones and social networks, receive uniforms and basic supplies, and move into dorms with very little privacy. But the Air Force wants to make sure they have tools to cope. What is resiliency in your own words? Someone raise your hand. On the first full day of basic training, the booming voice of Master Sergeant Federico Arriaga washes over an auditorium full of brand new trainees. Anybody already homesick? I heard a few of you. 
The lady in the back's missing the, the kids. Ariaga sounds less like a drill instructor and more like a coach, urging the trainees to rely on one another and pull strength from challenges they've overcome in the past. Wanting to go home is normal reaction to stress, so believe in yourself, stand firm, and you will be successful. He even gives them tips to relax their bodies when faced with stress. Some techniques to consider. The first one's going to be tactical breathing. Slow, deep breaths in and out through your nose. Courses on stress reduction and resilience have been part of Air Force basic training for years, but now they're among the first things recruits encounter. Colonel Billy Wilson, head of the 37th Training Group, says the goal is to shape airmen into self-confident problem solvers, qualities he hopes will stay with them throughout their Air Force careers. It's about giving the trainees an opportunity to get a better sense of self um, and what that actually means in a profession of arms. In an era when threats can emerge quickly, the Air Force wants airmen who can handle the physical and emotional stresses of high-intensity operations and be decisive in complex, changing environments. Colonel Daniel Cassidy is the Director of Human Performance for the 37th Training Wing, and he helped design the Air Force's basic training curriculum. I think the Air Force particularly is uh, populated largely by persons who have technical expertise, and so um, there's a lot of decision-making power that's delegated down to frontline airmen. Cassidy says resilience comes from combining problem-solving skills with positive lifestyle habits. He adds that it's important to teach airmen about how sleep hygiene, nutrition, proper exercise form, and stress management affect performance. We put trainees on a schedule which allows them to appreciate what it's like to optimize these health behavioral inputs across seven and a half weeks of basic military training. After just a few days at basic training, some new airmen were already wrestling with the concept of resilience and how to apply it. Sage Ware worried about whether she would be able to pass the physical fitness test. This is my goal. I'm going to drive. I'm going to be resilient. I'm not going to let me not knowing how to do so many push-ups right now, I can't let that bring me down this whole time. I've learned a lot, actually. For others, like Esteban Gonzalez, the biggest hurdle is homesickness. He's getting through it by talking with others in his training group and reflecting on why he chose to join the Air Force. Everyone at BMT is going through something. I know people that have a wife and children back at home, and it's very hard to cope and persevere. But it's just something you have to do, and you have to remember your why and who you do it for, what you do it for. He says perseverance is about fighting through challenges and realizing you'll be okay in the end. I'm Carson Frame in San Antonio. That story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Coming up, we have a follow-up to a story we brought you over the summer about two young San Diego friends who recreated a vintage piano. We'll have details on where the piano now lives and more just after the break. I'm Beth Accomando, KPBS arts reporter and host of the Cinema Junkie podcast. 
I'm also a geeky gourmet who likes to bake food themed to the movies I watch, like chocolate blood to savor with Dracula, or an extra chewy Wookiee cookie to enjoy with Star Wars. I'm geeky about the things I love, and that makes me a public radio geek as well. I love being able to connect with audiences just like you through TV, radio, the web, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. So, are you a KPBS geek? If so, then I'm asking you to get in touch with your inner nerd and become a member of KPBS today. Just go to kpbs.org and click the blue Give Now button and make a donation. That's right. Let's geek out together about the things we love. The Super Bowl of horse racing is coming to Del Mar. The track has been chosen as the Breeders' Cup location for next year and 2025. Reporter Jacob Ayer says the event is expected to boost the local economy. While Del Mar has hosted the Breeders' Cup twice before, this is the first time that the racetrack will hold the event in back-to-back -back years. It's expected to draw tens of thousands of fans and boost the local economy, says San Diego North Economic Development Council CEO Eric Ruvold. Any event like that, um, the Breeders' Cup, uh, an all-star game, a Super Bowl, one of the great things that it does is it brings new dollars into our region. So those are people who might not otherwise visit San Diego. Delmar's previous Breeders' Cup events in 2017 and 2021 drew roughly 115,000 fans combined. And a study by Sports Management Research Institute says the 2017 event generated an estimated $96 million across San Diego County. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. And now a happy ending to a story we first brought you this summer. It's the story of two young San Diego friends who renovated and recreated a vintage upright piano. Education reporter M.G. Perez says the piano has now found its forever home at Marcy High School in Claremont. Sixteen-year-old Ren Berry is a self-taught musician who will graduate next spring from Marcy High School, an alternative learning community for students with social and emotional special needs. The piano provides music therapy and an outlet for her to express feelings. So calm and like just like relieved, like all of my like negative emotion and like stress and anxiety goes away. The upright piano was saved from a junkyard and renovated by 14-year-old McKenna Stumpo and his 14-year-old fellow musician and friend, Liam Kett. They are supporters of Sing for Hope, a New York City-based nonprofit that uses artists everywhere and of every age to inspire people who need it most. It started as an eighth grade community service project, um, but I think it turned into a lot more than that. It kind of turned into a, a passion project. That was McKenna Stumpo. You can find out more about the project by going to singforhope.org. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez brought us that story. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online 
at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories, including a story about the backlash surrounding the Welcome Center for Migrants. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.